So we're good. Okay. Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a newscast. <laughs> like a newscast person. Well, today we have. Especially with the paper, you know, when they go like. Yes. Today, um, the world is burning down. Uh, yeah. Contrary to Shada Crime's prediction that the year would be quiet and calm and Yikes. a fresh start. Uh, yeah. No, that didn't happen. But just a reminder that we pre-record these. So, like, usually about a week, sometimes two weeks of holidays. Um, yeah. So that recording was... So maybe we jinxed it. Like, kind of in the beginning of December. Yeah. So it, it was... Far-fetched prediction. Yikes. Not great. I like The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Oh, I just listened to a podcast. Um, How The Simpsons, uh, like, it was this, uh, and that's why we drink. They, uh, M did the story of The Simpsons and, like, all their predictions. It was really cool. Yeah, their predictions are insane. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, we pre-record. We got a new mic, though. We did, and we also wanted to thank you guys for being patient. Uh, we are very amateur, kind of <laughs> figuring it out as we go. We have lots of fun with it, but and I laugh a little bit too loud, and it gets oh, really whatever. loud on the mic. So um, sorry. No, but more like phased approach of like buying stuff yeah. and getting stuff, and even just um, just learning how to do this. Yeah, so, we do not know how to do this. But I feel like we're getting our footing and yeah. we're getting there. And so, yeah, thanks, guys, for... Thank you to all our listeners all over the world. We it's have so cool. cool listeners. And the other thing that, like, I feel like we don't really talk about is we don't, other than, like, oh, yeah. our significant others, nobody knows about this. Yeah, we like, haven't told friends. There's family. no promoting it or, like, having our family listen to us and rate and review. Yeah. like because we would have a lot of people to support it, but we just wanted to kind of have fun doing this on our own. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes when you do that, you kind of worry about, like, oh, if I say this, yeah. who, what is this person going to think? We wanted it to be very anonymous. and yeah. And so with that comes, like, <laughs> no genuinely, like, nothing. Everything is just being pushed out into this great abyss of nothingness. Yep. And you guys are actually listening, which is really cool. Like yeah. the fact that people in Singapore are listening is crazy yeah, to we me. We have some crazy like places that we never imagined would happen. So that's yeah. cool. And we're having so, fun. So so it's exciting. What we started this for. But season one, this is the last episode. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's so weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're doing long seasons. But. No, but I feel like, like I, like I think for starting something like kind of out of nowhere, and we've been doing this for fun. It's crazy that we're already thirteen episodes in. Like yeah. it's just cool. Um, the other thing that <laughs> I feel like I need to acknowledge is my ice always clinking around. <laughs> my husband literally laughs at me every time it happens. He's like, "I can hear your drink." That's hilarious. So. I mean, sorry, not sorry. We're having it's, fun. I feel like it's not that big of a deal. It's not like no. I'm chewing in the microphone. No. But I do enjoy a glass of something. an endless array of things while we're recording. I like to have a drink yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it makes it feel like you're also just having Before a we started, yeah. you were like, <laughs> I'm just going to have water. And I was like, that is <laughs> no. That's a no. So I'm having wine. <laughs> no hydrating. Um, yeah. We're having wine. Shut up. What, it was 19 crimes? Yeah. Yes. The red one. I need to try other kinds because I've only tried the red red wine one. Um, I think they're mostly red. I don't know that they have There's, a white. But they have like different blends. Which one is this one? The red blend? 
It literally just says red wine. Okay, there's a red blend yeah. that is my favorite. Ooh. But the red is very good. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a more more like bitter one. I and figure I what it's called. I like that. I don't I think like you would eat it. But yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go on a wine tangent forever. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. Yes. Um, oh, send us an email. Send us an email, guys. I know. That's the other thing is I know a lot of podcasts starting out that like had a lot of their friends and family send emails. <laughs> and so they're like kind of get people more yeah. comfortable. Obviously we don't have that. So we are just trying to like connect with perfect strangers and hear your stories. And so I understand I would probably be a little hesitant. I wouldn't. I'd be like, these people don't know me. I don't know them. Like yeah, I know you don't have to tell us your name if you don't want to. Yeah. If you do, that's cool too. Um, there's no like, there's perfect no way rules. to do it just yeah. do it even if it's not real stories i've like i mean I've like don't like, send us nudes no don't do that but, but i've <laughs> read like like people that like create write stories and they're not real at all but they're just super fascinating so if you're a writer and you do that oh, you i can know. send us that too and That's some so people fun. in their podcast are like don't lie to us make it real and I'm i like, don't how care. would you know if anyone is lying it's a cool story yeah entertain us and we're good so um, oh, the email is shotofcrime at gmail.com. Shotofcrime at gmail.com. Um, tell us whether or not you want us to use your name. Yeah. You know, all that information. Just tell us what you want us to use, and we will do that. If you want to be anonymous, that's cool, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, don't be shy, and we'll jump into our stories. Oh, we're ready to flip our coin? Yep. You want to flip? Um, sure. <laughs> can't ever flip a coin. <laughs> Call it. That's probably so loud. Okay, I'm so we're sorry, gonna go guys. Tails. Tails. Good yes. job. Okay, my story is hella long. <laughs> so I'm going to like just kind of jump right in. Okay. No uh, intro. I also didn't title this one. I didn't title mine either. Only because I really wanted to give. Um, I read an old article about my case okay. called Trial by Fire by David Grand the, of the New, the New Yorker. Okay. And a lot of this stuff is just good. verbatim what he mm-hmm. was saying because he did a really good job. And that was in, I think, 2009. So it's an older article and there's like one or two updates since then. So you just added, got Not it. a big deal. But a lot of this, like he did a lot of good research. So I just kind of wanted to enter with giving yeah. him credit i feel like i do that a lot too when there's like when there's articles that are just really good it's like yeah this person just did really good yeah and i also couldn't come up with anything better than Than so i was like let me just use his title um so this is the case of cameron todd willingham okay and i don't think i've heard i had never heard of this and so that was one thing that intrigued me case it's really big like when Mm -hmm. i researched it there was tons of articles about it and there was a lot of um speculation we'll get into why but um it's pretty big and i had never heard of it which intrigued me more yeah i was like oh this isn't like a black dahlia like Mm -hmm. everyone knows case where i'm listing 20 different names of people (laughs) it's okay they deserve to be mentioned well not the suspects but the victims yeah the suspects is where i got lost in it and i was like (laughs) okay all right so we'll jump in on the morning of december 23rd 1991 so Whoa, almost. that's really weird because mine's a Christmas story. That's weird. <laughs> Why do you do that? We should have scheduled this. Yeah, for- I know. I literally I was like, dang it, I should have done this Christmas I thought time. The but same- mine was cr- literally Christmas time too. 
that's weird. I feel like both of our stories, every time we do this, there's some kind of like... There's some connection. Yeah. We have some telepathic... We're not thing planning this, guys. Um, so just a warning, it does involve kids. It's, okay. I don't get graphic about it at all, but it is a little bit... Trigger it's warning. very sad. Um, it does involve kids. So on the morning of December 23rd, 1991, a house in, in the city of Corsicana... I've heard of that. Cor, uh, Cor, yeah, Corsicana, Texas. That's, I've never heard of that. There's some kind of show or something that, like, not real show. If there's some kind of documentary or something that happens in Corsicana. Oh, maybe it's this. Maybe you do know about no, this case. I feel like it's like a document. Don't look it up because it might say this case. Okay, I'll look it up after. Okay. But. So Corsicana, I have family in Texas. I've never heard of it. Really? It's a small town. Um, so it's 55 miles northeast of Waco, Texas, mm -hmm. which yep. is more commonly known. Mm -hmm. Fixer upper, maybe. <laughs> um, it, uh, so this house was being swallowed by flames at a rapid pace. This is so weird. Two doors down. My story is about a house on fire. Stop. I'm not joking with you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited because like that's weird. I have some like things that debunk certain things. Oh, that's weird. I'm so excited now this not in Corsicana right no 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 <laughs> um so two doors down an 11 year old girl named Buffy Barbie which what that's her first and last name Buffy is her first name okay cool. uh was playing in her backyard when the smell of smoke filled her lungs so I have a little note of like okay you're 11 years old you're playing in your backyard and you smell smoke what do you do you go and run and tell somebody if, like do you, something. Okay, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, when I was 11 year old, I was up in my head in my imaginary world. I literally would have ignored it. Like what? I was so in my imagination and like I, like I would have freaked out. No, like smelling smoke in the distance, I would have been like, oh, somebody else will handle. I was so <laughs> not, which is funny because I'm so not that personality yeah. now. Like I, I'm more of an investigator mm -hmm. now. But I was so wrapped up in my own mind. I was like, I'm, I'm interested to see. I feel like there's different personalities. Yeah. When you're 11, like there's the assertive 11-year-old and the very. I feel like I wouldn't want to go investigate, but I would definitely like. Let someone know. Yeah. yeah. Like I would. I would not have. Which. That's funny. I mean, I'm ashamed to say now, but yeah. <laughs> um, she was assertive and quickly went inside to tell her mom, Diane. They ran down the street to find a house aflame and Cameron Todd Willingham standing on his front porch. He was frantic, wearing only a pair of jeans, his chest burned and painted with soot. His hair and eyelids singed, hauntingly screaming, my babies are burning up. Carmen and Cameron, one-year-old twins and two-year-old Amber were indeed trapped in the house. He demanded Diane call the fire department. Obviously, there's so not this is cell the dad. phones. This is the dad. Okay. There's not cell phones at the time. So yeah. she ran back home to do so, and he found a stick, which he used to break the girl's bedroom window. Flames climbed toward him like they were trying to wrap him in an embrace. Okay, I, I got a little, like, poetic with it. <laughs> and I, towards the end, I was like, okay, I need to chill. Um, so just bear with me, guys. Um, so they, the flames are going crazy. He tried to break another window, um, and the, all the flames were waiting for him there as well. So anywhere he tried to go, they were just yeah. going crazy. Finally, he retreated kneeling in front of the house. Their witnesses said he cried at times. And then he said, my babies, my babies. 
and then he would fall silent as if he had blocked the fire out of his mind. So he was kind of going through like waves of like mm -hmm. processing it and then like just being in shock yeah, and then processing it. Like makes sense. Severe emotion and shock, which does line up with like a sincere yeah. response yeah. to it, in my opinion. For sure. Um, Diane ran back after calling the fire department and described the heat that was coming from the house, even as you approached from a distance as the windows of the house exploded from the pressure. So she's explaining, like, I'm coming back. It's hot, even like just walking up mm -hmm. to the house, the windows are exploding. Um, and as, as the windows are exploding, the heat is gaining oxygen. So the flames oh, are gaining momentum. Yeah. Within minutes, the first fireman arrives. Cameron yelled at him that his children were in their bedroom. The fireman observed the room, which happened to have the thickest of flames. So their room had the thickest flames. Mm -hmm. He calmly reached down for his radio and told the rescue team to step on it. So imagine, like, you're the parent in this scenario, and he's, like, just reaching out and saying, like, hey, hurry up. Like, yeah. you know that's really, really bad. Um, as the team arrived, they set... The set, uh, they set up their hoses, which were very powerful. A fireman attempted to enter the house through the window, but was quickly hit with one of the water, the water from one of the hoses. So, oh, no. like, it's kind of just a mess at this point. He exited the house and then tried a new method of entrance. Um, he picked the front door and charged through it without hesitation, which kudos to firemen. They're super yeah, brave. I have so much respect. Mm -hmm. Um so he's in there, he's finding his bearings of the house, and he reaches the kitchen where the refrigerator is now blocking the back door. So it had kind of like moved and like fallen over okay. in some way, which is important and it comes up later. Outside, Cameron was understandably growing more frantic. A police chaplain, which I didn't even know was a thing. I guess they're either. literally like a, a father, like a priest, and they're like, they work with the police, um, named George um, Monaghan. Took him, took Cameron to the back of the fire truck to try to calm him down. Cameron explained that his wife, Stacy, had left earlier that morning and that he woke up to Amber, his daughter, his oldest daughter, screaming, Daddy, Daddy. And then he said, quote, My little girl was trying to wake me up and tell me about the fire. I couldn't get my babies out. End quote. While okay, he was talking so he just to ran out without her. With well, her? he he'll explain the situation. While he was talking to the police chaplain, a fireman emerged from the house holding Amber. She was being given CPR, and Cameron ran to see her. Then quickly tried to run into the house to try to save the twins. Cameron she, did. Yeah, the dad. Okay. So he runs to his daughter, tries to see her, and then frantically tries to get in the house. Mm -hmm. So he was. Uh, it's it's. The article noted that he was very strong and able-bodied, and he was only 23. So he was oh, young. He was young. strong. Wait, how old was Amber? Um, she was young. So the twins were two, and oh, the one the twins were one year old, and I think Amber was just over two years. Oh, old. Okay, got it. So they're, so very, they're very close in age. Um, so he was strong. He's trying to run back in the house. George, the chaplain, and another. Um, fireman restrained him and handcuffed him for his own protection to like, okay, Hey, sense. you can't go back in there. Yeah. So at this point it's kind of out of his control. Yeah. Like he, he can't do anything. Um, so another fireman later told police, he also had to hold Cameron back and that because the fire was so bad at that point, you would have been crazy to go in the house. So he's like, he Makes was sense. out of his mind just trying to save his girls. Like, which is a reasonable response, which is a reasonable response. And also, 
in my humble opinion, points to someone not being responsible because they might be like upset and frantic, but they're not going to go back in the house and like risk their own lives if they're like trying to mm -hmm. destroy their family and walk oh, away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameron was taken to the hospital where he was told that Amber, who was actually found in the master bedroom, okay. had died of smoke inhalation. The twins were found on the floor of their room. They too died of smoke inhalation. Mm -hmm. So um, just a little bit of background on the city, which is relevant. Mm -hmm. The city of um, Corsicana was once the center of the oil boom, which was big in Texas. So okay. Texas is known for their oil, and there's a lot of old money in Texas because of the oil rigs. Mm -hmm. So that brought in wealth to that city, but soon the wells dried up, and so did the money in the city. More than a quarter of the city's population had fallen into poverty. So it's not a wealthy town anymore. It's shops closing their doors and just a general feeling that was kind of like that walking dead, like abandoned, mm -hmm. desolate vibe. Cameron and Stacy were certainly pinching pennies. She worked at her brother's bar, which was called Some Other Place, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> That's kind of cool. And he was, it said, okay, the article said he was an unemployed auto mechanic. But I also am like, okay, if the mom stayed home, it would just be a stay-at-home mom. Like, he was staying home with the kids. So <laughs> he was a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, something that isn't talked about enough is the – oh, so <laughs> I go into now a rant about the cost of funerals and how absurd <laughs> I think that is because you're asking people who uh, yeah, that's horrible. literally are trying to deal with the shock of a loss of a loved one and they have to now financially pay, pay for a funeral, plan the funeral. I really think that that's something that, like – should be there's like gotta be some other way better. and even just other people coming in and helping with which that. a lot of people do like gofundmes and stuff now yeah which i have thankfully in this situation the community took up a collection and covered the cost mm, of the funeral mm -hmm. which i think is beautiful and i think that should happen more often yes for sure so now fire investigators are trying to determine the cause of the blaze um with cameron's permission they searched the house and cameron stated Quote, I know we might not ever know all the answers, but I'd just like to know why my babies were taken from me. End quote. Douglas Fogg, Fogg was an assistant fire chief who conducted the initial inspection. He had a team of investigators that were looking into the case with him, all of whom provided their own unique skills and perspective. Um, and all having poster-worthy slogans, uh, <laughs> they toss out such as, quote, Fire does not destroy evidence, it creates it, end quote. So they all had these, like, mm. things they would say mm -hmm. that kind Where's of, Where's like, the mom at this point? I'll go into that. Okay. <laughs> Drink break. <laughs> Sorry. Visiting the house four days after the fire, so they, they're going to investigate four mm -hmm. days later. The investigators followed protocol protocol when searching the house. They moved from the least damaged area to the most damaged. Okay. In the kitchen, they discerned only smoke and heat damage, which was a sign that the fire had not originated there. Same with the master bedroom. Further down the hallway, there was deep charring along the base of the walls. One interesting thing to note was that due to gases becoming buoyant when heated, um, flames normally travel up walls, which we'll get into later, okay. but this was kind of the working theory then. This fire, however, burned extremely low. The path of fire, according to them, it burned low. Mm -hmm. The path of fire led from the hallway to the girl's bedroom. Um, there seemed to be irregular shaped char patterns, which could be due to flammable or combustible liquids. 
who mm. uh, they so they pulled up and kind of puddle looking marks is okay. what they noted that there was like weird puddles of like marks from a fire which would be like somebody pouring like gasoline or something that's the theory got it another thing to note is the springs on the girls beds were turned white a sign that intense heat was directly under them but that could be just from the fire yeah. or if it's also metal too it mean yeah. i mean in a fire i feel like that would just happen yeah the floor seemed to have the deepest burns not the ceiling which heat travels up mm -hmm. so that's what they noted I literally have that in here. I, I always like, go off. Is it a two story script. house? One story, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, this, along with other clues, led them to later testify that they could only come to one conclusion. The fire was intentionally set by human hands. Okay. Um, they basically said an accelerant had been poured onto the girls' uh, room and hallway. And the refrigerator had been moved. So they said the refrigerator had been moved to block an exit to ensure no escape. That's mm. what they said. The lab, um, the samples came from um, in the crime scene. They were sent to, so they were sent to this lab and they were report, they reported mineral spirits in one of the samples. What is that? It's, um, a substance that's often found in charcoal lighter fluid. Okay. The sample came from the entrance of the front door, oh, which shoot. comes up later. Um, as they spoke to neighbor, neighbors, several pointed to what seemed to be a genuinely devastated father. But as time went on, they, uh -oh. they collected more and more damning statements, including Diane's. She said she did not see Cameron attempt to enter the house oh, before the gosh. fire department arrived. As if you were putting on a show. So she's like, he didn't try to go back in before they arrived. Okay. Um, so she's, she's like, he's, he was playing it up, basically. She also said that when she watched in horror as the windows in the house exploded, he was preoccupied moving his car down the driveway. Which, this comes up here, but it's never talked about again. So mm. Diane kind of sketches me out. Another neighbor said that as Cameron called out for his babies, he did not appear to be excited or concerned. So you're talking about at the beginning of this, I'm saying all the neighbors are saying how devastated he yeah, is, how upset he is. And but then, now it's like, the and I'll get into think. that. I'll get into that. Um, so then the chaplain wrote in a statement that upon further reflection, so he's one that at first was like, he was devastated, like heartbroken, trying oh, to get back gosh. inside, being restrained. But upon further reflection, Things were, quote, things were not as they seemed. I had a feeling that Lillingham was in complete control, end quote. The police built a profile on Cameron. So Cam Cameron was born in Oklahoma in 1968. He was abandoned by his mother when he was a baby. His father, Gene, who had divorced his mother, eventually raised him with his stepmother, Eugenia. So Gene and Eugenia. <laughs> oh, Actually, I think it's Eugenia. I don't know. Gene, <laughs> a former U.S. Marine, worked in a salvage yard, and the family lived in tight quarters. So it was this tiny little house they lived in. Cameron, Cameron struggled in high school, and as a teenager, began to engage in destructive behavior, such oh, as no. sniffing, Not paint, helping him. sniffing paint and dropping out of high school. Oh. So yeah, this guy is like, Come on, Cam. I feel like very easy to point the finger at. He's like not a likable mm -hmm. dude. Like he's not... Uh, He's not, it's not like the guy that you'd be like, he was such a good guy. We yeah. never saw this coming. He's kind of weird. He's kind of a jackass. So, um, so he dropped out of high school. He was arrested for driving under the influence, oh, stealing no. a bicycle and shoplifting. 
He met Stacy, who also came from somewhat troubled background, in 1988. So when Stacy was just four years old, her stepfather strangled her mother to oh death during a fight. Stacy and Cameron um, definitely had what could be described described as a turbulent relationship. Yeah. It was on again, off again. He reportedly drank too much. He hit her when he was mad. He was unfaithful. Oh and, gosh, this yeah. is not <laughs> yeah. And neighbors were called hearing him yell at her. So everything uh, is set up to be like, yeah, this guy's yeah. this guy's kind of messed up. Yeah. So in no way am I defending that behavior. Absolutely, he's a jerk. I don't like him. And I feel like it it would be really easy to just kind of wash your hands of it and be like, oh, yeah, he did it. Mm -hmm. But as you kind of look into it, it's kind of an example of um, if you let go of your bias and let go of, Mm -hmm. oh, this person's just not likable, is the evidence actually there? Just because someone's a jerk doesn't mean he has potential of killing, like, people are just sometimes jerks. Well, and you also have to be able to prove that. Mm -hmm. And so as we dig in, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, Seems obvious, but there's definitely question marks. Mm-hmm. So neighbors were called after all of this, which no one ever reported anything, but the neighbors are like, oh, we yeah, we heard him yelling at her all the time. And it's like... Which could happen. I mean, yes. like, sometimes you hear arguments and you don't necessarily report anything, but then if like it came out the next okay. week that your neighbor... I would totally her. be that obnoxious person. Like, I don't care. If you're arguing all the time and yelling at her, like, I'm going to... I'm going to call about you and be like, hey, check this out. Like, I don't, I don't care. But maybe not back then. Also, it was in the 90s, so it was probably a little less, like, people kind of kept to themselves a little bit more. Um, So police brought him in for questioning on December 31st. Mm -hmm. So a couple days had gone by. They had been able to go to the house and kind of canvas everything. So here's what he said. He said Stacy had left around 9 a.m., um, to pick up Christmas presents for the kids at the Salvation Army. So once again, they don't mm-hmm. have a lot going on like yeah. financially. They're kind of just trying to make it work. He said as she was pulling away, he heard the twins crying, so he got up to give them a bottle. The girls' room had one of those like child gates at the door, mm-hmm. um, which the twins couldn't open, but Amber could climb over. Okay. Um, they would let the girls nap on the floor of their room after they drank their bottles. So he'd give mm-hmm. them the bottles. They would kind of like nap drinking their bottles yeah. on the floor of the room. That's normal. That happens. Whatever. On the floor of their room or the master room? Their room. Okay, got so it. So they're all at this point in their room. Got it. So he gave them their bottles, and then he saw that Amber was still asleep in her bed. And so then he went – it was kind of early in the morning. I mean, it was 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> I mean – Yeah, to some people, I guess. People were out of bed with their yeah. kids, but whatever. <laughs> so he went back to bed. Um, he was then jostled awake after the cries of after he heard the cries of Amber. He said the house was full of smoke. He got up, felt around for a pair of pants, and threw them on. He couldn't hear his daughter anymore, and he yelled, "Quote, oh God, Amber, get out of the house! Get out of the house!" End quote. So he, at that point, he didn't know where she was. No, he just heard her crying and then heard nothing and then smoke. And he's disoriented, waking up, putting pants on. Like She was found in the master bedroom. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess she could have, like, walked there. So, yeah, I have that. He didn't see Amber in his room. Mm -hmm. So she probably was crying, maybe came in and passed out. And he's kind of having trouble seeing. Um, It's hard to know exactly how that went down. Um, He wasn't sure if she had come in and passed out while he was in there or after he left the room. Mm -hmm. 
He tried to reach the bedroom and was unable to see anything, the girl's bedroom. Mm -hmm. He crouched down to almost a crawl fighting the smoke. When he made it to the room, as he stood, his hair was set ablaze. Oh, gosh. His hair was set ablaze. So remember everything I said about how they said it was a low fire. Oh, yeah. He was standing and his hair was set ablaze. So it's a little bit of like a something that happened I feel like, just like smoke in the air maybe but personally it, it just kind of points to flames being higher mm-hmm. in my opinion but maybe not um so his hair is set ablaze after he put his, it out so he puts out the fire on his head he returned to the ground and was groping in the dark he said he thought he found one of his daughters at one point but it was a doll so literally mm. like you can't see in front of you i can't imagine that feeling yeah. of thinking like oh my gosh and then it's just a doll Um, he could no longer bear the heat and felt himself passing out. So then he stumbled down the corridor and out the front door. He like, he was just trying to catch his breath. Yeah. Um, so I do want to say like, I feel like it's another situation regardless of like, let's pretend this guy is an upstanding guy. Who's amazing. I feel like there'd be a little bit more sympathy in that situation of, like it's it's one of those situations where you don't know what it's like until you're in it, and it's yeah. very easy to say like I would never leave until my kids were out. Like, well, you also could have the thinking, the smarter thinking of let me get out, of get myself together, and then figure out a better way. I would compare it to like you're trying to save someone who's drowning, and you go up to the surface yeah. to catch your breath, or like breath. an airplane when they say to do yourself first before right. the kid. Like, it's also just like instinctual. Yeah, like, when you're like, freaking out, panicking. Yeah, and so I feel like it's very easy to kind of be that person that's like, mm-hmm. I would never. And I just, all I'm going to say to that is I think until you're in that situation, you don't know, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. You don't know what your body is like. Your body is going into like defense mechanisms at that point saying like we need to preserve life Mm -hmm. and so he could be hitting that front porch before he even knows what he's doing and so i just i think it's easy to judge yeah for sure people are going to do that like i'm walking that line of like i don't like him as a person Mm -hmm. but i don't think that that's that doesn't point to him sometimes like i see people cover cases and it's like whether they like him the person or not is whether they like sympathize with Mm -hmm. them and I feel like that's where we can go wrong with like juries and justice oh, yeah, systems. Sure. It's, it's not really about if you like the person it's or not. It's the facts. Yeah. It's the evidence. And yeah, so that's my um, rampage. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, he so he's on the front porch and he's trying to catch his breath. And that's when he sees Diane and he yells at her to call yep. the fire department. Um, he insisted that after she left, he tried without success to get back inside. Okay. So that's an important note. Um, next they asked if he had any idea how the fire started and he said he wasn't sure, but it must have originated from the children's room. So that's what he said. He was like, I have no idea, but I think it started in their room. Okay. That's where he first saw the flames. He described them as glowing, like bright lights. Yeah. He then explained that he and Stacy had three space heaters in their home and one of them was in the girl's room. Uh, he told Amber to never mess with it, but she had gotten in trouble a couple times for playing with it. Yikes. Cameron wasn't sure if it was turned on at the time of the fire. And one of the investigators later testified that when they walked through the house, basically he said he saw it in the off position. So he was like, it wasn't on. Okay. I don't, I don't know. But also it would have been like burned down though, if it had started it. Yeah, I don't like if that's. I mean, there are things that there are things that like if it's overheating, maybe it's just really hot and it's catching something else on fire, like a fabric. 
And also sometimes like you have, you look at sometimes like cars explode and there's still things you can salvage from yeah. that. So sometimes it just because it originates. It yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on fire, but I do know sometimes there's things left behind that it's like, why didn't that burn up? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, so they had the space heaters. Amber played with it sometimes and she would get in trouble, but most of the time it was fine. Cameron wasn't sure. Um, if that was what it was, but he was, he was basically like, maybe it's something electrical. Like I heard popping noises. I heard some weird noises. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Um, and then I just, I'd kind of note, like, if it's not you who did it, it'd be very hard to be like, here's exactly how the fire started. Like well, he yeah, was sleeping. He, he doesn't know. Yeah. A lot of people that do that, it's like, Oh, because you're the one who did it. But right. If you, you were to say, this know. is exactly, he's kind of speculating, like, here's some options. Mm -hmm. If you were to say like, oh, there was a candle on the left side of the bed and that's exactly, it yeah. would be more sketchy to me. I feel like the police are asking him to know what happened when he was asleep. And exactly. It goes back to a couple episodes ago of Jennifer Pan when she was like, oh, he opened the fridge so that he could see better. It's like, right. he wouldn't explain. He wouldn't explain. You would just I'm be like, I don't know. So we can see better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The more details, sometimes the more concerning. Yeah. Um, so the logical question was, if it wasn't an accident and it wasn't Cameron, who would have motive to do this? Mm -hmm. When asked, he said he didn't know anyone that cold-blooded. He then went on to say that his and, his, wife. his and Stacey's relationship was somewhat troubled and the kids ultimately brought them back together. They never questioned... Yeah. Like Stacy, I feel like had a pretty solid al alibi. Maybe she was like seen where she at the Salvation mm. Army. They don't even go there. Like mm -hmm. she's she's good. Um, so then the questioning takes a turn, which you only see on like Law and Order or like an investigation show. Oh no! Because one of the investigators gets this kind of look on his face, and he suddenly asks him if he put his shoes on before he left the house. Which would you do that? If there was a fire? Yeah. No, you would just run out. Cameron said he did not. They then asked if he left through the front door. He said yes. Here's why that matters. If their theory was correct, the floor, because they said it was low, would have been soaked with a liquid accelerant and the fire burning low, he would not have been able to run out of the house the way he described without his feet being badly burned. Makes sense, yeah. According to his medical record, his feet had been unscathed. So if fire what they're saying- definitely not on the ground then. If what they're saying is correct, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. But also, I just, I have thoughts. Anyways, so Cameron basically said, look, when I left the house, the fire was still at the top of the walls and not the floor. Quote, I didn't have to jump through any of the flames, end quote. Following the but line it was of also pitch black and he couldn't see anything. Right, but he said, he described it as like bright lights. Okay, so. Got it. It was like smoky in front of him, yeah. so he can't see. But it's not – you would see you where would fire see the fire is. Yeah. So he's saying like if it was on the ground, I would have been like dodging it yeah. and like jumping over it and figuring out. He's like, no. like. Mm -hmm. um, so following the line of thinking the investigators are having now, the question would be what is his motive to kill his yeah. three daughters? They had life insurance on the girls, but it was only worth 15000 And it was something the grandfather had paid for. Probably just to cover like funeral costs yeah. or something, and so, so it was he was the beneficiary, not not the mom or dad. Oh yeah, so that's so dumb. it has nothing to do with life insurance. Maybe it was a grandfather. Um, Stacy said, <laughs> even though Cameron had a temper and would hit her at times, he was never violent with the kids. 
Escalation points to a large possibility that if you're abusing someone, that can expand to anyone, like your loved ones. Yeah, of course. You know, that if can you have happen. the ability to do it to other people. If you right? have the ability. Um, but then you ask, you have to ask yourself why Stacy would admit openly, like, hey, yeah, he hits me sometimes, but not the kids. Yeah. I feel like your kids if are you, dead. Yeah. If you think there's any possibility. Maybe not. And there's also, like, some sometimes people who are abused protect that person. That's that true. happens. That's true. But um, she basically was like, look, he he hit me. He was not great to me, but he loved those kids and he mm-hmm. he would not hurt them. Which there are cases in which uh, the man seems completely normal and ends he, up killing the kids. Right, but I also feel like this is a case where he doesn't seem normal. He seems like like the kind of guy that would be kind of angry or whatever. Yeah. And like friends and family, like people around them are like, he loved those kids. Like that was like the, the exception yeah. to like everything is like, he had a soft spot for them, which, which I the have seen advocate though. Happen. Like, it could still happen. Like, oh, for there sure. are many cases where moms are like, for you know, sure. Like, kids are their lives and then they end up killing. Absolutely. Them, and if terrifying. you really want to like, just bring logic into it, he could be abusing the kids and still the fire could true. be an accident. It's like true. It, yeah. Him abusing the kids. Well, it might be a sign. You still have to prove. Yes, for sure. So, I mean, I don't like him. Like, like yeah. I said, he's not a great guy. But um, so she said, yeah, he would never hurt them. Not even hurt. Like, he wouldn't even hurt them. He would not kill them yeah. ever. Like, yeah, no. So the investigators believe Cameron killed his kids and is a sociopath who has no conscience, okay. has a troubled life that, that, had, that had culminated to a breaking point. Local district attorney Patrick Batchelor put it this oh. way, quote, the children were interfering with his beer drinking and dart throwing, end quote. <laughs> what? That's so random. <laughs> like you have, that's such a like, why yeah. would you, why would that interfere with that? But okay. And people have kids all the time and they drink all the beer they want. <laughs> they play all the darts they want. <laughs> Um, two weeks after the fire, which would be January of 1992, Cameron and Stacy were riding in the car when they were surrounded by a SWAT team and he was arrested. Oh, no. He was officially charged with the murder. Oh, gosh. Murders. And since there were multiple victims, he was eligible for the death penalty under Texas state law. And this is like Aww. the family, the picture of their family. Oh, Like he babies. definitely looks like he's got some skeletons in his closet. <laughs> but those sweet babies. Yeah. They're so, they're she kind of reminds me of Adele. The mom. Yeah. <laughs> she does. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, so not long after his arrest, authorities received a message from prison inmate Johnny Webb, who alleged Cameron confessed to him and said, quote, took some kind of lighter fluid, squirting it around the walls and oh, floor no. and set it, set a fire. Oh no. Um, so now it was considered pretty straightforward to the investigators. They were like, yep, we're good. Cameron's lawyers were given a plea deal for life for a life sentence, which would take the death penalty off the table. This was a relief to his lawyers who believed him to be guilty. And here's a quote from one of his lawyers quote, everyone thinks defense lawyers must believe their cli- clients are innocent. But that's not true. Most of the time, they're guilty of sin. All the evidence showed that he was 100% guilty. He poured accelerant all over the house and put lighter fluid under the kids' beds, end quote. He that's basically a sucky said, lawyer. Yeah, his lawyer basically <laughs> said, it's a classic arson case, like he did it. What? Why would you hire that lawyer? <laughs> yep, so it's no shock that Cameron's lawyers 
pushed for him to accept the plea offer. Yeah. They also are thinking, like, we're going to lose. Yeah. So, you <laughs> so they're like, take I don't, it. I don't care if yeah. you didn't do it. So he refused. He was like, I didn't do it. Like, yeah. I'm not admitting to that. The lawyer's next move was to talk to his parents. So they laid out the choices. Talk to your son or he'll get the death penalty. They met with him. So the parents meet with him. His father firmly believed that he should not admit to something that he didn't do. Yeah. So he's like, if you didn't do this, don't admit to it. His mother, on the other hand, wanted him to do whatever he could to save his life. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the typical, yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Cameron couldn't be swayed by his mother and aligned with his father, holding firm to his innocence. The trial then takes place, and it's pretty straightforward. Arson experts, investigators, neighbors, all pointing to him killing his girls. The defense did bring forward the family babysitter who said she never saw him at all like any sign of this but he was very sweet with his kids and she didn't think he would ever do something like that Mm -hmm. the trial ultimately ended in two days after an hour of deliberation the jury returned with a unanimous guilty verdict he was given the death penalty the story continues however because there was a 47 year old french teacher from houston named elizabeth gilbert who like just stumbled upon this case and had a lot of interest in it she met with him and went to the court. So she met with him. She talked to him. And she's like, this isn't adding up to me. Mm-hmm. She went to the courthouse to review the trial records. The first thing that struck her was the eyewitness accounts of the inconsistencies. So, mm-hmm. like, it basically didn't add up. So, like we talked about, Diane reported that before the authorities arrived, Cameron never tried to go back into the house. Yet mm-hmm. she had been absent while calling the fire department. So she can't really know that. Yeah. Like, she was gone. Yeah. Another missing piece that was never talked about during the trial, but was recorded in like witness testimony was Buffy, who reported that she witnessed Cameron on the porch, breaking the window and trying to get back in the house. So her daughter is literally like, no, he was trying to get back in the house. Oh, gosh. So according to the daughter, which I feel like the younger you are, the more honest you are about this. Oh, yeah. Why would you lie about that? Yeah. So she's like, he's trying to get back in the house. I don't know what else happened, but yes, I stood that there and watched it. No one probably heard her because Which, she was a kid. Also, I, I'm i not trying to like mom shame here, but I would not take my 11-year-old down the street to a fire. Yeah. I'd be like, you stay here. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Unless the 11-year-old was like, I don't care. True. Off. True. And at that point, you yeah. you know, you can't like sit there. And, and if talk. you're also panicking too, I can yeah. understand that. But I also like, wouldn't want to like leave my kid there. Yeah. I'd probably bring them yeah. up. I don't know. Um. So... She said that Buffy said that um, the fire department, the chaplain, um, they all pointed to his motivation to get back in the house and save the girls. Initially, they were like, we had to restrain yeah. him. And Diane first described him as hysterical and, and explained the large flames. And remember, she was talking about the heat. Yeah. As she was coming up the street. It was so hot. Yeah. Like she could barely approach the house. Um. But after the arson investigators began suspecting him of the murders, she then suggested that he could have gone back and that she's like, he could have gone back inside and he seemed, there was only like a little bit of smoke and it was only coming from the front of the house. So she kind of like downplayed it a lot once she found out like, oh, he could have done this. But at the same time, if you're saying now, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, he could have done it. I feel like if I'm her, oh, if it's not that big of a deal, then I'm going to go in there and save these babies. Like... If it wasn't that big of a deal, then why didn't you run in there, Diane? Yeah. uh, Diane, like... (laughs) What the heck? I mean, I don't like him. I'm freaking Karen. But I really don't (laughs) like Diane. Um, 
so then the chaplain, so obviously he, he talks about restraining him. He was devastated. He talked to him. He then shifted after the investigation started saying, uh, and started saying that he was too emotional. And he goes on this whole rant about how he was like, it was like a mom who has a miscarriage. And I'm like, wouldn't what? that be like the norm? Like his kids are inside burning. Why would you not be emotional? Why would that be weird that he's like emotional? Like he basically was like, it was like a mom. And it's like, he was separating like dads and moms. And I'm like, that makes no sense. You got a problem, dude. Yeah. Um, so then he said, I, he suddenly had a gut feeling that Cameron was responsible. Okay. You but can't this is, go off gut feelings. This is, he said one thing, time passed and he's like, nope, I think Cameron did it. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I want to dig into real quick was, is about witness testimony at the time. So it becomes much less accurate. And this is why during 911 calls, they ask for specific facts Mm -hmm. which is not to be like insensitive to what's happening, but because it's the most accurate account of what's happening before a person has time to alter minute details. Yep. Many things can impact memory, including personal bias and peer influence. Mm -hmm. Studies show that a person will filter any experience through um, what they have chosen to believe. And that may leave out details that don't support their perception. That makes sense. So once you have time to sit back, like, of course. so you're hearing he's done it and you think, wow, maybe he did do it. You're kind of filtering out subconsciously, mm -hmm. like what doesn't support that. Exactly. We do that all the time. Yeah, we do that. That's very normal. Our view of the world, our view of our relationships. We do yeah. that all the time. So um, this girl, this French teacher that's like looking into this entire case is like, this does not make yeah, sense. This is weird. So she started speaking to people and she found out that across the board, it wasn't really widely accepted that he was guilty. So family, friends, probation officers that had had him in his like petty crimes. Mm -hmm. And even some judges said they didn't see a killer in him. Like they were like, we mm. actually don't think he did it. And I would say the higher up you get, it was more like, we don't think there was evidence. To yeah, prove of he course. Did it. They probably wouldn't say like, yeah. he's not a killer. <laughs> they know better than that. Um, so the main evidence of him being a sociopath was a skull tattoo he had. Oh, my God. The experts brought that up during the trial, um, and the experts they had speaking to it had never met Cameron. So normally when you have, like, a psychiatrist, psychologist, anyone in that field, like, they will sit down and talk. Yeah. Several meetings with the person. They had literally never talked to him, and they're talking about this. So <laughs> I have – get this. The connection to the skull, they this is what they're saying during the trial, led to Led Zeppelin's picture of a fallen angel, which led to hell, which then connected to fire. No. I literally wrote, this is our justice what system. What the heck? Like, they're connecting skull, Led Zeppelin, fallen angel, hell, fire. You can't so do he, that. This is our proof. Yep, that's the path. That's the, you know, the psychological path of where how he burned his family apart like what that's horrible yeah so that really made me mad oh and then i like i have a note of like michael scott word association ugly like does all this like unnecessary it's literally stuff. that it's literally like how michael scott would be like yeah skull uh led zeppelin fire yeah. <laughs> yeah no um one of the experts said quote 
Many times, individuals that have a lot of this type of art have interest in satanic type activities. That is like literally Bull. my parents' thought process. Like Bull. that's literally like the old timey. Like I've never wanted to get. Bad. I've like, never oh, wanted to get a skull no. tattoo. I've never wanted to get a skull tattoo. Literally, so just to. Oh my god. Like no, no. That's literally just the old timey thinking. Like my oh, yeah. parents satanic growing panic. up would be like you can't have skulls on anything like yes. that's bad it's satanic panic <clears throat> of anything that's kind of out there that's weird so you must be a devil worshiper you mm -hmm. must have burned your family alive that's that's the that's jump so stupid so three years after cameron was convicted an expert in the case was expelled from the american psychiatric association for violating ethics the inmate that testified that Cameron confessed ended up recanting, then recanting his recant. Oh my God. He pretty much was all over the place. And recently in an interview, he said that he just probably misunderstood the situation. <laughs> but he was like a crucial part no, of the trial. No. Also, like inmate testimonies. Yeah, like there's, do you really? They make deals sometimes. Like, there's, Why are you believing that? Sometimes, like, there's credible people that are inmates that say things, and it's like they have no deals or no reason. But what reason. proof do you have? But that's also just, like, you his word. Yeah, that's anybody's word. It's hearsay, in my opinion. Yeah, because the wife could have been like, no, he for sure didn't do it. Are you going to believe her? No. Like, right. you can't. Right, yes. For the every person that's saying he did it, there's someone saying he didn't. He didn't, yeah. And none of them were there. Exactly. So, that. Um, so yeah, so he's all over the place. Um, at this point, the only thing making the case solid was forensic evidence, like mm -hmm. the arson investigation itself. Yeah. Though they pointed to the placement of the refrigerator during the trial, that was a huge thing. They were like, yep. it was used to block the it, the exit. Like, that's that's a huge thing during the trial. After the trial, one of the investigators said, like, oh, the refrigerator had nothing to do with the case. It, it just had fallen. <laughs> So this was like a big deal. But like everything after the trial is kind of being like, oh, it doesn't really count as evidence. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so then what do you have? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. So the refrigerator didn't matter, but that was a huge thing. Since Cameron's lawyers were so open about believing in his guilt, he eventually filed a claim of inadequate legal representation. Should. He should Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like he should have during the trial, yes. honestly. Cameron received a new lawyer and was who was appalled by his representation. In order to reverse a death penalty charge, it's it's really, really difficult to do. So you have to – you can't just point to the error in what happened, even no matter how, like, disastrous mm -hmm. it was, how poorly it was built, how bad his representation was. None of that matters. You have to have new evidence. Mm -hmm, makes sense. So Casey Anthony out there, like, yep. you could say, like, hey, these things weren't looked into. Hey, they went for too much. They went for a death penalty. Matter. You can't. None of that matters unless there's brand new evidence. Yeah. So um, that's why it's so difficult to do. His lawyer attempted to appeal um, on October of 1997 with no new evidence, and it was denied because he didn't. He didn't. didn't have he basically evidence. was pointing to the past, and they were like, "No." Yeah. Um, he was, however, granted temporary stay, which means he can appeal again and not be executed during that window of time. Okay. So he's he's basically like postponing his yeah whatever yeah. So his next appeal was denied, which moved him to like the next step in the appealing process, which is with the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. They refused to hear his case. Finally, his only option was to appeal to the governor of Texas, Rick Perry, for clemency. In January of two thousand four, Dr. Gerald Hurst, an acclaimed scientist and fire investigator 
received a file with all the evidence of arson gathered in Cameron's case. He agreed to look at the case pro bono. So he's like, I'll look at it for free because yeah. there's like a there's like a time period. <clears throat> this guy doesn't have a lot of money. He's like, yeah, I'll look Might at it. Might as well, yeah. Which kudos to him for doing that. Yeah. So as he entered the field of arson, like back in the day, um, he was shocked to find that many investigators had only a high school education. Oh, no. There was one class they had to take and a written exam. <laughs> the rest of the education came from learning from others on the job. So you may be at a scene and because someone who has been doing it for longer says, oh, this pattern means mm -hmm. the fire was started over in this area and that's puddling and that means it was it was arson. The new people just go with it. Like there's oh, literally no, no, it's not it's like, like a, a chain reaction of this. It's not a science thing. It's a bunch of people thinking like, oh, I've been doing this for a while. So I know what I'm talking about. And like, just jargon. Like they're just That's saying so things. bad. Um, so yeah. I'm, yeah. Hold on. I have to find my, yep. There we are. Okay. Um, a 1977 study warned that there was nothing in the scientific literature to substantiate validity, like in this field. Yeah. Um, when discussing the widespread signs of arson, like it's kind of like there's very little like scientific, like this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not a thing. So um, Elizabeth and Cameron's lawyer looked into arson investigations and they quickly found that while there was some science behind it, many of the tools used were based on intuition and like feeling yeah. <clears throat> and not provable <clears throat> methods. As he studied the case, Dr. Hurst was struck by one of the arson investigators claims that the blaze had, quote, burned fast and hot, end quote, because of a liquid accelerant. Mm -hmm. The notion that a flammable or combustible liquid caused flames to reach higher temperatures had been repeated in court by arson sleuths for decades. So they talk about this all the time, but the theory was nonsense. Mm. Experiments have proven that gasoline fires burn at essentially the same temperature as like a natural fire. So like there's, it does not burn hotter because it of an accelerator. Yeah. So he's like, already these investigators are saying things that are not true. Oh no. So he's like, Whoop. no one looked into that. Yep. Hearst then confronted some of the most devastating arson evidence against Cameron, the burn trail port, like the, the puddling yep. configuration and like burn marks indicating the fire had like, multiple points of origin, mm -hmm. the burning underneath the children's bed, like all of those things. Um, then that, uh, that positive mineral test on the front porch. Mm -hmm. um, so, and his unplausible story that he had run through the house without burning his feet. Yep. As Hearst read through more of the files, he noticed that Cameron and his neighbors had described the windows in front of the house suddenly exploding. So yeah. remember I said they started like exploding and the fires got bigger when that happened. Mm -hmm. It was then that he realized that Cameron had fled out the front door and the fire simply followed the ventilation path toward the oh, opening. Oh, interesting. Similarly, when he had broken the windows in the children's room, the flames had shot outwards, seeking oxygen to perpetuate the flame. Yep. The process would also explain the patterns in the puddle like marks from the fire. It essentially became what's called a flashover where the fire kind of bounces around to find oxygen. So this is an, a thing that is testable and happens. That's crazy. So it's literally like nobody just, they just believed it and nobody looked at it. Oh no. Um, since it was following him out, he was able to escape without burning his feet because it was behind him. So, um, 
Of the Poor list guy. of arson indicators, Dr. Hurst was able to explain every single point, including the positive test for mineral spirits on the front porch. But does that count as new evidence? Because it's Maybe. technically the same evidence. It's, it's just... Well, it's, it's um, debunking the evidence, which I would think, like, you can basically point to um, experiments that have been done and, like, things that have been done to, That's like, disprove. That's crazy that that was not caught. I do think... I don't know. I mean, you'll see it. I guess not. Um, oh, no. So, including the mineral spirits found on the front porch. He looked at a recent picture of the front porch before the fire had occurred. Oh, and there, no. there sat a charcoal grill. During the trial, they did not see the presence of the grill as relevant. Without having visited the fire scene, Hearst says... It's impossible to point to the cause of the blaze. Like he can't. He's like, I can't say this is exactly yeah. what happened. Which is that makes me trust him more. Yeah. But based on the evidence, he had little doubt that it was an accidental fire. No. One caused most likely by the space heater or a faulty electrical wiring. I mean, these things happen. Yeah. And so he's like, I would lean more on the side of an accident over putting someone on death row. Yeah. With not a- with no like provable yeah. valid arguments. It explained by there had been really no true motive for the crime. Yeah. Like, they never proved that he had a reason to do it. Hearst concluded there was no evidence of arson and that a man who had already lost his three children had spent 12 years in jail and was about to be executed based on so sad. like bad science, basically. On February 13th, four days before Cameron was scheduled to be executed, he got a call from Reeves, his attorney. Reeves told him that the 15 members of the Board of Pardons and Paroles, which reviewed the application for clemency, had been sent Hearst's report and made their decision. They denied the petition. Oh, the no. vote was unanimous. Reeves could not offer an explanation. The board deliberates in secret, so they have no like standard to uphold because it's a secret meeting. Its members are not bound by any specific criteria. So they're Oh gosh. And the board members don't don't even have to review the case. So they didn't even have to look at what Hearst was saying, like, hey, here's what they literally can just be like, nope. Which to me is insane. That's horrible. Like that's insane to me. Like they yeah. should absolutely like you're getting paid, you have a job, like absolutely review it. Look at yeah. this. Like what else what better do you have to do? I'm sorry. But um so Cameron requested a final meal. At 4 p.m. on the 17th, um, the day he was supposed to be executed, um, he was served it. He had three barbecued pork chops, two orders of onion rings, fried okra, three beef enchiladas with cheese, and two slices of lemon cream pie. Mm. So then I have a note of asking you what your final meal would be. Probably steak. (laughs) Steak is absolutely I live and breathe off of steak. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely do a steak. And like, I would only do steak because oh. I, I would want to get full off of steak. So I would do steak and like the red potatoes with like good seasoning. Mm. I'd be like, load it up, baby. <laughs> um, and like, I would have to do like a cheese, some kind of dessert because I have yeah, such a that's sweet true. tooth. That's true. That's true. And I would do like a, I would do like a, I would just do like alcohol. Can you have alcohol? I, I feel like they, they would have it and they never do. Maybe they do sometimes. Maybe. I, I it's funny because I had this conversation with my husband almost said his name and <laughs> I was like a hundred percent steak and he brought up he's a very sentimental person in general so it makes sense but he was like I wouldn't do anything crazy I would do something that's like nostalgic to me 
Like he would do Steak something that's nostalgic. like nostalgic. No, like something that like means something. Like yeah, like, maybe a, like, like a Big Mac. That, like, honestly, <laughs> McDonald's French fries take me to a different headspace. More, no, more like something like like something that he grew up eating, or yeah. like something that's like homey. You I know? get that. Like the um, I'm like not giving steak. So me, yeah, no, I would get that. But you also can get you whatever can get you multiple want. So things. Like, I mean, he clearly did not. And eat I would all like that. sample everything. Also, how much time do you have to eat? Because that's like really you sad. Can, no, you do have time to eat. You have, they let you eat. Um. But the the strawberry shortcake, like popsicle things, like that was my childhood. I would totally do that. That's such a good idea. Anyways, um, so that was his last meal. Um, he received word that Governor Perry had refused to grant him stay. He confessed to his parents that there was one thing on the day of the fire that he lied about, which oh, no. to me, you wouldn't nothing, do that. Nothing points to him being innocent more than this because you would, if you were guilty, you wouldn't. You say, would never say what he's yeah. about to say. Oh no! So he basically said he lied when he said that he crawled on the children, like crawled to the children's floor. Okay. He said he didn't want to be seen as a coward, but he like basically tried to get to the room, but didn't get to that point, and probably got outside and was like, "I should have at least tried to crawl." Oh, so to me, I was like, "He's so sad." <laughs> like, yeah, it's heart wrenching. Um, he was put to death at 6.20 p.m. On his death, death certificate, the cause was listed as homicide. Nearly two years later, the Innocence Project commissioned top fire investigators to conduct an independent review of the arson evidence in the case. The panel concluded that each and every one of the indicators of arson had been scientifically proven to be invalid. In 2005... Texas established a government commission to investigate allegations of error and misconduct by forensic scientists. Misconduct, not miscontact. Mm -hmm. One of the first cases that was being reviewed by the commission was that of Cameron Willingham. In mid-August, fire scientist uh, Craig Baylor was hired by the commission. He completed his investigation. In a scathing report, he concluded that Investigators in Cameron's case had no scientific basis for claiming that the fire was arson, ignored evidence that contradicted their theory, and no comprehension of flashover or fire dynamics. Reveal, uh, and they relied on discredited folklore and failed to eliminate potential accidental or alternative causes of fire. This is why you don't do the freaking death penalty. Like, this is exactly, uh, this is why, as I dug into this case, I was like, this is my point. So I don't care if he's the worst person in the world. If he didn't kill his daughters, don't put him to death for killing his daughters. really bad for the wife. She just lost her kids and her husband, too. Right. Yeah. Just before Cameron received the lethal injection, um, he was asked if he had any last words. He said, quote, the only statement I want to make is that I am an innocent man convicted of a crime I did not commit. I have been prosecuted for 12 years of something I did not do. From God's dust I came, and to dust I will return, so the earth shall become my throne. End quote. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Yep. Um, and so recently, I want to say it was in like 2016, they went after the prosecutor in the case. Mm-hmm. It didn't, they cleared it him. didn't do anything. Um, I want to say nine times out of ten when you're going on the side of the state, and the government, they're going to clear people. It takes a lot for them to be like, yeah, yeah, we were wrong here. They don't, I mean, this is why all his appeals got denied. They didn't even look at it because, and this is the problem with that level of like, you're going to put someone to death. 
You better have like you better have all the concrete. So evidence. many hoops you have to jump through. So many things. That's I horrible. really think it's. And there's a lot of uh, things I didn't go into where people did studies. Um, in the article, he talks about like studies on the death penalty and why it's like, yeah, that's fine. You can prove whatever you want to prove, but when science advances in ten years and it's like, oops. There's no way to it's correct. Like, how do you like? How do you feel? There's like, no way as a society uh, to correct that or right that wrong. Yeah. So it and it's a matter of wanting to free up space, and it's yeah. it's greed. That's why they want to free up room in their prisons, so they're killing people, so they can save money. That's when so it's sad. like, I don't. All of that laid out, like you have people literally laying out, like here's why this was not like actual science and they're not even looking at it and it's like so to like honestly it is horrible but to for him like i feel like if that's me honestly can i die then freaking stay in jail for something i didn't do yeah like well they're grieving your like kids and now you're in jail like obviously a horrible situation but if if that was his options like yeah and i i mean what you would hope for is that they would just like retry him and yeah. like try to prove it and not use the science they were using. So sad. So that's so interesting that you have a fire case too. I'm oh my so, god! Like, yeah, like, really no. weird. <laughs> Very weird. And there is some like, Ooh, oh, did this happen? Did it happen? So it's not as detailed. Um, it's mostly after, but yeah, excited. Oh, oh man. man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, very weird that your story is about uh, was about. A house and fire and kids because that's literally my story. All I have to say, oh, is- I forgot to um, look up what that city was. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say all I have to say is Ryan started the fire. <laughs> oh no, it was Ryan. <laughs> um, it was what? I can't figure it out, but I've Corsicana? heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. In some kind of show or something. I'm going to find Okay, are you thinking then... of, um, oh, shoot, what's that place in California? Contra, con- no, literally Corsicana. Corsicana. I feel like I've, like, heard of this. It's either another crime thing or it's, there's like, the, a show. Um, the, the big case. Shoot, what is the city in California that's the Golden State Killer? Contracana? Oh, it's, um... It's a the there's a Navarro in Corsicana, Texas. There's a place called Navarro Jail, and I'm pretty sure it's the um, you know the Netflix show with the young girls that are in jail, like they're locked up. I don't know if you saw this. Probably, I've seen all. But it's in Corsicana. Uh, I was like, I knew that. I like I remembered that name. I couldn't remember. Anyways, so yeah, I don't have a title for my story because I just forgot, but. Oh, and the other ironic thing is that it was around Christmas time. What the heck? Christmas time, no title, fire. Like, we... I'm scared. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. Okay, so this happened um, on Christmas Eve, so December 24th of 1945 in Fayetteville, 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 West Virginia. Yeah, Fayetteville. So the Sauter family, you might have heard of them. This is a pretty big thing, too. So... I'm horrible with names. Just once, once I hear it, I'll I'll know. (laughs) So the Sauter family lived in a two-story wooden home. This was in the 1940s, and so it was kind of like the houses weren't really built like this was in the middle of nowhere. Like they didn't really live near other houses, so the whole house was wooden. 
Yeah, wood frame house. Yep. The house had a long driveway and was not near many other houses. Their family consisted of 10 people. So two of them, parents, and then there was eight kids. The eldest son, Joe, was away in the army, but all nine of his siblings were enjoying the holidays at home with their parents. Parents' name are George and Jenny, which I think you had a George in your story, too. There wasn't anybody, like, that important. but It was the chaplain. Yeah, the one we hate. Yeah. So <laughs> George and Jenny are the parents. When it was time for the children to go to bed, five of the children, so Maurice, who was 14, Martha was 12, Louis was 10, Jenny was eight and Betty was six. Jenny, there's, there's, she named a daughter after herself. Got it. Just so that doesn't get confusing. <laughs> there's like three Jennies in this story and they're all related. Anyways, all five of them asked for special permission to stay up later. Jenny, the mom, told them that they could stay up a little while longer, but they had to remember to take care of the farm animals, turn out the lights, close the curtains, and lock the front door before going to bed. George and Jenny and four of their other children went to bed in their own rooms. The eldest daughter, Martha, fell asleep on the couch. Later, um, George and Jenny also, the, the, their youngest one, I think her name, I forgot what her name is, somewhere in here. Um, their youngest one, who was two, slept in the same room as them. Okay. So they all went to bed. Five of them stayed outside because they had asked for a special permission. Anyways, later on... Early hours of the 25th, so now it's Christmas Day, the phone rang. Jenny left the first floor bedroom she shared with George and their two-year-old and went into the hall to answer it. A woman was on the other end of the line, and it sounded like there were several people talking in the background. The woman asked Jenny for someone Jenny didn't know. Jenny told the woman that she had the wrong number. The woman laughed strangely and quickly hung up. Jenny was confused about the strange call in the middle of the night, but then she quickly realized that the house was quiet, but all the lights were still on. The drapes were open and the front door was unlocked. Mm. She just assumed that the five children that stayed up forgot because they're kids. Mm -hmm. And so she just closed up the house and returned to the bedroom. She didn't really check on them, which is like weird a little. Like, I guess maybe if they've had like a. I feel like we can call this episode just mom shaming. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> we're just, we're just gonna, we don't have kids, but we're going to judge you. <laughs> I, 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 I take it back. I feel like if this is something that happens often in their home, then it's kind of like, oh, no, I did mean, it like, again. I would 100% check on my kids, but that's, I'm also going to be such a helicopter parent because I'm so into like all the crazy things that can yeah. happen. They also live in nowhere, the farm, like you and don't, and it's like, 1940s you're not where like you don't have the surge of like serial killers. And I feel yeah. like it was much more innocent Chilling. time. Yeah. So for sure. Anyway, she goes, she goes back to her bed. While she's in bed, Jenny was drifting back to sleep when she heard what sounded like an object landing on the roof and then rolling down along the side of the house. And then she smelled smoke. It was around 1.30 a.m. on Christmas Day. She shook George awake and ran to the door of the bedroom. The hallway was filled with smoke and flames covered the stairway leading up to the children's bedrooms. This literally feels like... I know. Crazy. This is crazy. George and I'm Jenny. like, was it high or was it low? <laughs> George and Jenny shouted up the stairs for everyone to get out, get out of the house quickly. Once they were all out front, they did a head count of all the kids, which makes okay. sense when you have that. Many yeah, kids. I mean, honestly, like it's smoky. You're trying to see everything. You could think you have all your kids. Yeah, and be like, especially oh, with that many shoot. when you're like one, two, three, it's like, four. It's like Home Alone. <laughs> like you count someone twice. No, or something. literally, yeah. So. Come on. <laughs> 
So they're, they're out front. They did a head count and realized that five the five children who had stayed up late were not outside with the rest of them. The flames grew <laughs> okay, quickly. Okay, five, though. <laughs> the flames grew quickly and blocked George from going back into the house. Yeah. Thinking the only way to get the five children out would be to get them out through a top floor window, he raced around to the side of the house where a ladder always stood, but the ladder was gone. Uh, actually, I'll just keep going because okay. it comes back later. George started panicking and then thought that if he could move one of his trucks next to the side of the house, okay. he could stand on the top and help the five children that out the window. That makes sense to me. Yep. Like you're, you're, you're looking for of, anything that's high. Exactly. So he ran first to one truck and then to the other, only to find out that they wouldn't start, although they had both been working perfectly the day before. Okay, that's sketchy. Very weird. All George and Jenny and the four children who had managed to leave the house could do was to watch the fire. And but can't you, I mean, I'm not like a major car person, but can't you like at least get it to like neutral where you could push it? I don't know with older cars. Maybe. I mean, especially with older cars. Like, I don't know. You kind of just have like a couple options, but you can like, because the car starting, you have to go all the way and like yeah. it may not start, but you can get it to that like in between. Where you can get it on neutral. I would think so. I didn't think about that. I mean, yeah, maybe. Okay, weird. Yeah, maybe. So the fire reduced the house houses to ashes in less than an hour. Nothing was left but charred timbers, rubble, and the basement. Wow. Allegedly because the fire chief could not drive the fire truck and because it was a holiday, it wasn't until 8 a.m., Hours after the fire had burnt itself out that the fire truck appeared. That's awful. Yeah. Steve Cruikshank, a firefighter in Fayetteville since 1967, confirms why the effort took so long. He says, quote, back then there was very little training. Everyone yeah. was volunteer and they didn't have much equipment. Yeah. I mean, you're volunteering too. You're not. And it's, and a it's holiday. Christmas Day. Yeah. Local police followed the firemen to the scene and did a cursory investigation. The coroner was consulted, and it was determined that the five children had undoubtedly perished in the fire and that the fire had been caused by faulty wiring. The weird thing is the family's Christmas lights stayed on throughout the beginning part of the fire, so that wouldn't happen if it was an electrical wire thing. They would be off. Well, I don't know how wiring worked back then. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. And sometimes you have like splitters where like certain things are on a circuit and certain things are on a different circuit. So if there was yeah. faulty wiring on like in one area, that may not affect another area. Yeah, I get you. The weird thing is, is that um, George had mentioned that like almost two, three weeks prior, they mm-hmm. had somebody come out and check the house's wires because they just have to do that all the time because it was yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And everything was perfectly fine. Obviously, things could have happened in between, but... Well, yeah, because back then they were doing um, the cloth wiring, which is much more flammable, much more hazardous, and sensitive to, like, a bug flying on it. Like, yeah. it's, it's much... Like, you can change in a second. It so, to happened. me, that's not, like, the biggest red flag. Yeah, it's I, just a little, like... There's <laughs> other things that are major red flags here, but yeah. that's more, like... I feel like it's something that you look back on now, and it's like, what the heck? But if you, like, it couldn't have think been. about the time, yeah, then it makes more sense. Yeah. So at this point, they're saying that they the kids the kids all died in the fire, but George and yeah. Jenny were not satisfied with that explanation. That explanation. They wanted an in depth investigation to thoroughly explain how, among other things, faulty wirings could have caused the fire when several lights were working perfectly during the actual fire. They suspected that there was something more to be discovered, and they demanded answers. Okay. So my like initial 
inclination with all of this would be if you did something, you wouldn't like want to like, look into no, it more. No. You'd be like, no. yeah, cool. It doesn't seem like this has anything to do with them. And as we go in more, like they are very like persistent because everyone's kind of being like, no, they died, they died. And they're like, wait, like, hold on. They want explanations, yeah. which to me seems like a normal response. Like that's yes. what I would be. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't find out answers. Like, and like, you're talking about things that like fire electrical stuff, like they may not have a, an understanding of. So it's oh, like, yeah. explain it to me. How does this happen? Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially for both parents. Mm-hmm. So they're suspecting there's something weird. Um, and then certain things start to come up that are like, kind of support that so first there was no human remains found anywhere in the rubble and nobody had noticed the distinct distinct smell of burning flesh during the fire or afterwards they were sifting through all the ashes uh and they produced no skeletons so wait oh okay yes i think i do vaguely know this so it's not a situation of like nobody smelled it during because they were just removed from Mm -hmm. neighbors you're saying like even when they came up to the house eight hours later yeah like there was nothing there was no like evidence of any remains in the house which is how do they know that like the oldest daughter fell asleep on the couch and like how do they know that then i don't know that's a good question <laughs> okay it could have been the other kids like hey they're all going to bed and then the last one is like oh she falls on the couch and then okay bed. it could yeah. have been the other ones but they didn't really talk about that okay got it um where did i live off Oh, uh, while sorting through the rubble, Jenny said that they found kitchen appliances intact. So she thought, how could the fire not damage them more? <laughs> the refrigerator. If, <laughs> how could the fire not damage them more if it had truly burned human bones to ash? So the only, like, argument would be, oh, you didn't find skeletons because they were all burned to, like, nothing. Which, the type of um, fire that happened, like, that wouldn't usually, that wouldn't happen. The other thing is there's a lot of cases where people tried to, like, burn a body and it's very hard to it's feed. very hard to burn even with an bones. accelerant or something exactly like, um yeah you'll burn the like tissue off yeah but the actual bones now i would be curious to know if they had pigs because pigs will eat bone and it's like but kind of like the a, investigation was done like while they were like they didn't go anywhere okay but it was eight hours later like, you have so much time to, if something happened, yeah. you have plenty of time to, like, get rid of stuff or do it at, like, yeah. eight hours later. That's not really, like, a good investigation. Yeah, sure. It could have, it could have happened. They didn't specify what kind of animals they had, but mm-hmm. maybe. Um, Jenny would later find out from a local crematorium that it took at least two hours at a temperature much higher than that yeah. of a house fire for a skeleton to disintegrate. But the fire at the solder home burned for less than an hour. There should have been five skeletons among the ashes. It just didn't make sense. So sorry, did they, like the family put out the fire? Did it just, like how did it It, stop? It it eventually just burned everything to the ground and then it just stopped. Okay. They also lived in the middle of nowhere, so there was nothing that close to where it was fire. Yeah, the only thought I'm having is it's like wood frame. So Mm. you would think even if it's like fallen, it's still going to be burning for like. I guess what, as as long as it, it said an hour, like. There was only live flames for an hour and then it just Yeah, stopped. and maybe it was, like, certain parts were wet. Maybe. Which don't, like, carry the flame as well. Yeah. It's also West Virginia. It could be cold during Christmas. Yeah. So. Interesting. There are other factors, but. So, uh, Georgia and Jenny began collecting bits of strange evidence that pointed away from the explanation the authorities had given them. 
So there was a guy, his name was Lonnie Johnson, I think. I'm, go- I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Lonnie Johnson. And while the fire was happening, this doesn't make any sense. Not doesn't make any sense. It's very messed up, but he did admit to doing it. While the fire was happening, he like came into the property and stole a couple of stuff from his outhouse, from George's outhouse. He stole block and tackle, which is apparently some kind of like pulley system. Like, I don't know why he did this, but <laughs> he's like, I know y'all have a lot going on. I'm just going like, to grab this really quick. I know y'all are distracted. <laughs> That's awful. I know. It's so messed up. Like what? Like, but also really stupid of you because like you could be tied to this. Well, but also like just as a human being, I feel like I just realized your mirror looks like a bunch of dancing legs. Like, look at the top. It's so Doesn't random. it look like people dancing? <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> you good? You okay, but tell me I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, you're okay, right. Cool. I can see it. Sorry, I just looked at it and I was like, that literally looks I like. I can see it. But what kind of neighbor are you to not be like, let me help? He wasn't a neighbor. So he, along with this other guy. What dude, kind of human being yes, are you? Yeah. Like, you see That's a fire not- and you're like, let me capitalize on literally. this. It's gross. It's very messed up. He. Which you also think, like, if it really was him, if you're coming and doing something, why would you, like, stick around and, like, steal something? Right. And then, like, tie yourself. Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking about the fact oh that my I gosh. <laughs> the mirror. Gosh. I just, I was like, man, if I was in the middle of my story, I would get so distracted by something like that. If you brought it up, I'd be like, what the heck? Sorry. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he yeah. stole block and tackle, which I didn't know what that was until I looked it up. And I, would, I was like, I would have thought it was like fishing. Stuff. Yeah. Right. It does sound like it. So Lonnie and this other guy, Dave Atkins, worked. Uh, they owned a bar pretty close to the home. Hold and on. So, yeah. Because Stacy worked at a bar. Oh yeah, that's this funny. There's so many connections. <laughs> So he, Dave Adkins was with Lonnie when they stole this together, but Lonnie was the one that confessed to that he stole it. <laughs> Lonnie also confessed that he had cut the phone wires that were indeed proven to be cut that night. No one what? believed him because the phone wires were. Why? Why did he? I think it might be maybe something where he didn't want to be like, I don't know. Somebody didn't want to call the police while he was stealing something. The house is on fire. What? Yeah. This is like this is before the fire, maybe. No, this was like like wow. Because why would you care about the wires? I don't know. This guy seems like an idiot. Why would you even steal in general while somebody's house is burning Uh, down? He's like a Diane. He's the Diane (laughs) of the story. Yeah, for real. So uh, no one believed that he had done it because they said that the wires were cut at the top of the phone pole. But it makes sense why the ladder wasn't at the side of the house because he had used that. So. Okay, so he's literally responsible for the dad not being able to try to save, save his, kids. his kids. Yep, he's an idiot. So after the fire, George went after arrest warrants for Dave and Lonnie, and Lonnie was arrested Good. by local authorities. He pled guilty and paid a $25 fine and was released. That breaks the bank. That <laughs> $25. Then that was probably... Way more. It was maybe a couple hundred dollars, but that's it. But I mean, still, that's yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, Dave Atkins never appeared in court. He joined the army to avoid prosecution and was gone from the area for about two well, years. Well, because back then they were like, please, <laughs> yeah. like, join the army. And he was probably like, Bye. I'd rather do this than, <laughs> than be arrested and stuff. Yeah. Lonnie testified at the coroner's inquest that he cut the phone lines with a pair of pliers. He doesn't explain why, what he did it for. Maybe it was to distract them. We don't know. 
I literally want to punch him. Yeah, he's stupid. He's I just kind of imagine him as this like country like I don't know how to explain it. Just kind of gross. I feel like if I was like, one of the parents, like I literally would punch him. Like I would Like you're messing this up more for us to find out why. You're taking our resources and now they're distracted by you and you're not intelligent enough to do this. Exactly. But, like, literally. Go so away. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so a couple of other things that were weird that happened was they came across a bus driver who stated that he had seen what he described as fireballs being thrown onto the roof of the house. That was what maybe Jenny had heard. Remember, she heard something go on the roof yeah. and then fall down the side yeah. of the house. So this bus driver said something. All of these things could be people, like, hearing about this after. I don't like, trust. Oh, yeah. Like, I do not trust witnesses. Exactly. So all of these are, like, eh, weird, but also it could be people just looking Like, I'm it. not going to be offended if I'm ever in a situation and I'm, like, a witness – and the cops come to me, and I'm talking, and they're like, okay, whatever. Like, Because <laughs> like, they probably hear so, so much, much like BS, dumb stuff exactly. that is not relevant, not it's true. Like it, it not only does not help the situation, but it just hinders it more because you Distracts. have more information now to, like, <sighs> so messy. So that was one of the things. A woman somewhat familiar with the Sauter family stated to have clearly seen the five children go by in a strange car while the fire was blazing. Probably not true. We don't know about that. At a dinner 50, 50 miles west of Fayetteville, a waitress would later say that she had served breakfast to the five children on Christmas morning, but she couldn't recall how many adults were with them. Again, we don't know. So as word spread and photographs of the children were shown in the vicinity, a woman said that she saw four of the children. Where was the fifth one? Because there was five. In the company uh, of four to... adults at a hotel in South Carolina. No, I don't buy that. Yes, for a these are all. I could see maybe the restaurant one, but then I, I take a step back. Let's think about this. It's Christmas morning, right? Yep. So Christmas Eve is usually like an eventful time. Yeah. You have Christmas morning. You're wanting to stay up family time, but you're not generally going out to eat or going to do anything. Like even when you're young, you're not like. Oh, everyone's asleep. Let's go to a restaurant or let's go. But she also could have just mistaken this for any other family. No, for sure. That's, I'm just saying like, even if it was like, like I, I would be more inclined to believe that that's true. If it wasn't Christmas, Mm -hmm. I would, if it was just a random morning, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they probably like early morning. We're like, Oh, let's go. That'd be fine. But she obviously could be lying or like completely like being confused. But if generally generally during Christmas time, this is something that doesn't happen that often. And you did see a family, you'd be like, Oh, that's weird. Yes. So for sure. And I'm not saying it's not possible at all, but like it gave me pause just because most people yeah. Christmas morning are like not going out. Like you don't want to go out and see craziness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, cause we don't really celebrate Christmas on Christmas day, but I mean, yeah. And West Virginia. Well, I, I do, but like, I would say, like, even just, like, if you're tired from Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. like, either way you do Christmas or yeah. whatever, if you celebrate the holiday, it sounds like this family does, like, they had a Christmas tree, whatever. If you celebrate this holiday, you're not usually, like, running to breakfast. Like, yeah, I, I got you. Know. No, I got you. So the the thought of George and Jenny at this point is that someone abducted the children and then set the house on fire to distract them. they hadn't locked the door yet. So that's what they're thinking. And so the thought process for these people are almost as like, oh, I saw five children with, I don't remember how many adults, maybe right. they were the abductors. Like, 
So I think that's where that's where they're leaning towards yeah. at this point. That makes sense. So these glimpses of all these people gave George and Jenny hope and caused them to pursue their own investigations and forensic experiments. Jenny burned chicken bones in an oven to see if they could be completely destroyed by the fire in 45 minutes. The bones remained intact, which obviously is chicken bones different, but still, if the chicken bones are not done, are yeah. not, then how are humans? I mean, I understand doing your own, like, experiments to see, but also it's it's not really the same. It's not, but she, it, it made her feel better thinking, well, if freaking chicken oh, bones sure. are not yeah, like, disintegrated no. in my oven, then, like, how are... Uh, yeah, so... George heard of another house that had burned to the ground that clearly featured complete skeletons among the debris. So he's like, well, why didn't that happen to us? This is all speculation, but it's just kind of like things that are giving them more. Okay, I'm sorry. Were you saying that um, the two guys, Mm -hmm. Lionel or whatever? Lonnie. And Dave, yeah. Lionel. (laughs) Um, Sounds like a Lionel. Yeah. No offense if that's your name. They cut the wires to the house or the cars? The house. Okay. Because it would make so much more sense if they cut wires to the cars. They, they call, couldn't they put it in phone neutral. lines. Okay. They're stupid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't Maybe they sense. cut the and wires to the cars. It. Like, they could have been Because there. then you couldn't put it in neutral. And that would make so much more sense why it wasn't functioning yeah. properly. Yep. I mean, they probably done that, did that, too. Yeah, we're it just, just going like- to... Um, I'm sorry. This is fact. <laughs> Based on our investigation... <laughs> I, Lionel Richie. He never confessed to it, but I mean, I don't know. He could have. He, he seemed I'm like. I'm just kidding, Lionel Richie. Yeah, oh, sorry. no. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lionel Richie and Katy Perry. Oh, gosh. Cut the liars to the car. <laughs> While she sang firework as oh, the fire. No. No, I'm so sorry. Too far. Too so far. Sad. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So they did all of that stuff. Uh, George and Jenny went back to the police and demanded to have the fire further investigated. But yes. The police refused. Why? Claiming that the coroner's inquiry uh, determined that no crime had been committed. So uh, we see. But there's a lot also many crimes. Listen, stories. there's no bodies. Yeah, I don't. It's just one of those things that they were just kind of like, and eh, we figured it out. Like, get over it. But you didn't because unless I see like some yeah. evidence, like even if it's just like a tiny bones or something, like there's nothing to prove that they died in that. So no, like they, exactly. But it just seemed like they were into it. They were kind of over it. Yeah. Uh, George and Jenny seemed like the people who were, which I would be the same way as parents. Like they were like very relentless and were like, Absolutely. we're not like, we're bothering you every single day. We're I would calling be so every annoying. Day. So yeah. Yeah. Which obviously duh. So George and Jenny continued alone in trying to find answers. George would, rep- would repeatedly dig through the ruins looking for some kind of clue, and eventually there appeared to be the first trace of evidence, a few bones and what seemed to be some kind of inner organ. Tests showed that the organ was a cow's liver and that the bones came from a person older than any of the five missing children, which is, first of all, weird that they just found bones, but... They said that it happened like a very long time ago and they had no traces to what I that mean, was. I mean, okay, you're talking about 1940s. You talk about like maybe a hundred years before that. Yeah. There's like no telling exactly. what could happen. So they were kind of just like, oh, But it is know. weird that it was like with cow lungs. Yeah, it like, seemed like it was just in that area, but I don't know what happened on that land before. That's really strange. Very weird. But I, yeah, I mean, because of the time period, now it would be like, oh my God. Yeah. But because of the time period, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the oh the bones also showed no sign of damage or exposure to fire so that just kind of proves that it wasn't one of the kids george and jenny didn't quit they put up a billboard near the site of their former home with which featured photos of the five children and announced a ten thousand dollar reward which which now would be one hundred and forty-five thousand. yeah well also you have to think about like the ratio between like back Back then, it was worth more, but you're also making less. Oh, yeah. So that is a lot of money That's a for lot that of family. Money. Yep. That still has to provide for their other children. Exactly. And, yeah. Because yeah. they still have four. Yeah. So, uh, oh, this, I said this earlier, but yeah, now at this point, they just believe that the kids are alive. Hopefully. No, yeah. Hopefully, but that they were taken from the They weren't burned house. in the fire. Basically. Exactly. Yep. While looking through a magazine in late 1947, Jenny noticed a child in a po- in a photograph who appeared similar to six-year-old Betty, who allegedly died in the fire. According to police files, George traveled to the New York school where the photo was taken to inquire information about the girl. He was denied entrance because he lacked identification, <clears throat> and he took the objection as proof that his children were alive. Okay, but why Which- was he traveling without identification? No, like identification of like why you should be getting into the school, which I completely understand because if this is like a legit I'm girl, it's like that's like, kind of scary. Like, I'm don't super come in surprised here. for the time period that they weren't just like here's that's all her information. <laughs> yeah. Like back then, that's I don't true. think they really protected people like they do now. But maybe it was like more of a private school kind of situation. Yeah, like, I do get though. Like, I feel like you could make a case for like getting investigators locally to like at least talk to her. And see, you know, yeah. like, hey, like, yeah, I get you. This person's asking these questions, like, what's your story, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that person could be like, no, I'm like, these are my parents, like, I'm totally yeah. whatever. Which they do hire some investigators later down the line, and they don't have any luck. They just yeah. have crappy people trying to help them, and so yeah. it may also too be because they can't afford that kind of stuff. Like, they're kind of doing this reward thing already. Like, they kind of just. It seems like they're just going crazy at this point, which I totally get as a parent. Like, what the heck? What happened to my children? So time passed, and George and Jenny and their surviving children continued their search. The searches led to various theories about what happened to the children. Many witnesses mentioned links to Florida. Jenny had a brother named Frank Cipriani. Cipriani? That's it. That's perfect. Sounds Italian. In the state. Cipriani. (laughs) No, I don't process Jenny entertained the possibility that he had taken the children. I don't know why. Maybe she's had bad blood with him, but she kind of said that. Right. Police in Miami combed through birth and school records to prove that each child in... I can't... I feel so bad. I think it's Cipriani. I think the C is like an S. Uh, So they proved that every child Cipriani had care of was his own. So they kind of X that out. Okay. The family also believed that the Italian mafia might have kidnapped the children as revenge for George's criticism of Prime Minister Benito Mussolini. Honestly, back then, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> yep. But there wasn't any evidence to substantiate that theory. A young neighbor who police later deemed, quote, quote, a mental case, told, oh, uh, uh, told the Sodders that the children had been murdered and dumped into a nearby well. But like I'm a mental case, which just by their to like, standard, I, which goes back to what we were talking about before. Like it must be so frustrating to be a police officer and be like, <sighs> like more like stupid witness like accounts. Yes. Like, I feel like across like, this the board, literally psycho lady is like, now nah, they were murdered and put in as well. <laughs> you have, but then you have like 
police officers that really dumb things down back then <laughs> yeah. where if your parents in that situation you're like you're not even trying yeah it's just yeah. across the board like i'm so glad i wasn't in that time because i <laughs> feel real. like i genuinely would be looking around like and then if you say anything you're like a hysterical woman oh, yeah. like it's like oh i would have lost my mind it's frustrating i would have definitely been in the psych ward <laughs> for sure so in the 1960s a friend even drew a connection between the missing children and the mad butcher killings of the time uh mad butcher i guess was the name of a serial killer yeah so he said it could yep, very yep. easily be the same person which maybe but again we don't know there's no there's no linking evidence mm-hmm. the most promising theory involved a guy named fj he was a prominent fayetteville community member george had worked for fj until 1943 when they angrily parted ways Ooh, fj was juicy. a co-signer of the solder's 1500 home insurance and increased that amount to 1750 without their knowledge 60 days before the fire, F.J. urged George and Jenny to take out life insurance on their children, but they refused. He said, quote, unquote, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. He said, you are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. So, oh, God. Kind of in your face. Okay. But could also be very coincidental because he's trying imagine, to sell insurance. Imagine he said that and then it happens and he's like, oh. No, that's literally what I'm thinking. Like, obviously, it could very well be him that's, like, on the nose. But well, also, but it could be. He's trying to sell insurance, so he's trying to scare them. Like He's trying to sell insurance, but, like, I feel like if he was trying to prove a point, like, they would have died in the fire. Yeah. And even if they ran away from the fire, they would have come back. Yeah. So something weird. Like, it's almost, honestly more like a mob thing to me. Where, like, exactly. you're kidnapping. You're, like, you're. Yeah. Very weird. But that was, like, the biggest thing. That's bad. So the weird thing, though, police never questioned FJ. According what? to George and Jenny, the Fayetteville prosecuting attorney did not want to bring a case against people with whom he had to live and eat. That's what he said. No, that's not how justice works. <laughs> yeah. So FJ, coincidentally, also served as chairman of the coroner's inquest of the fire on December 26th. So when it happened, he was like a chairman, a part of like the coroner's thing. So... He was very well known in the community, so everyone was kind of like, no, we want to mess with that. But that's like... That's so messed up. <laughs> yeah, like it's a conflict of interest. Because you have bad blood with someone, but you're yeah. assessing yeah. something horrible that happened to them. That's so... It's Either so way, whether up. he did it or not, like he shouldn't have been a part of that at all. No, not at all. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. That's stupid. So after that, the committee deemed the fire accidental, which of course they would because he's the chairman. So stupid. So in 1968, 23 years after the fire, Jenny got an envelope in the mail and it had been mailed from a city in Kentucky. There was no return address, just the postmark. Inside was a photograph of a young man and on the back was written Louis Sauter, which is one of the kids that disappeared. I love brother Frankie. Which uh, Jenny's brother is named Frank, so could be like the that. uncle. Uh, yeah, okay. his uh, the kid would be the kid's uncle. Uh, and then it said I L I L boys, and then A nine zero one three two. Like maybe I love boys. Maybe there's no like like dip, uh, what is it called? There's no like uh like they they didn't get anything from like this. decoding. Yeah, there was, there was. Nothing. The only thing was the Frankie thing was a little bit weird, but they had already looked into the brother, and so they were kind of like, I don't know what this means. 
Authorities thought it was some kind of cruel hoax, but George and Jenny thought the photograph photograph looked exactly how Louis would have looked as an adult. There were multiple similarities. Once again, hopeful, they hired a private investigator to go to the city in Kentucky to track down the photo sender and, and or the young man himself. The investigator left West Virginia with his fee and was never heard from again. They never really kept going, though. Like, they just kind of dropped it. <sighs> yeah. The 1968 photo was the last possible evidence that ever came to light. George died in 1969, and Jenny died 20 years later. He they, died in 1969? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he died pretty young, too. Yeah. They never believed that their five children died in that fire early Christmas yeah. morning. Today, the Sauter family still wants answers. Sylvia, who's the last of the children who escaped the fire that night, and her daughter, Jenny, so she named her daughter after her mom, believe that the five children did not die in the fire. There's so many Jennies. I know. The main thing my mother did was listen, she said. She said, she said, being the youngest, she grew up in the house with it. She shared her parents' frustrations. Yeah. Jenny encourages anyone with information to speak up. She said, my mom promised my grandmother that she would never let the story die. Jenny says, that's what my brother and I are doing now. So that was in 2016 where she was like on a magazine talking about this. Um, so, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, her siblings could be out there. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not like no. old enough. That's the siblings would be the who's talking now is Sylvia, who is the daughter of one of the kids that was in the yeah, house. They'd be in their like seventies. Uh, the parents so were forties. The the so 40s. they no, they would be in their like eighties. Mm. Hold on, if this was the forties and the kids were young because it was the younger ones that escaped, so that would left the house. Oh, you're saying like the people that are missing would still be alive is what you're yeah. saying yeah they would be the youngest young. one was six years old so yeah but that would still be i mean it'd be like was it early 40s or late 40s 45 so mid 40s still i mean it's possible but i think if they were abducted it's not no, that's like you're in your 90s yeah and then you think about she was I don't think Six? there would be any scenario no. where they would be alive. They're either not alive. way, though. In 2016, they're not alive. Either way, like, they, it's more now just they want answers. And yes. so not trying to f figure out, like, oh, can we save them? It's more just like, oh, yeah. We never got answers. It would so just be cool if it was one of those scenarios where they did find them. Where, like, maybe they did get kidnapped or something, but they were able to, like, at least one of them, like, find their way back and you get yeah. to hear everything. Yeah. But, but that would have happened very years unlikely. Ago. Yeah. Because if you were an abductor, you're, you would have eventually died before that happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is sad because a lot of people who do get abducted kind of just hope for that. Like for their abductor to just reach an age where they're old oh, enough and they die. Absolutely. It's really sad. But so sad. Yeah, so that's sad. crazy that both of our stories were a house on fire. There was no flashover or like puddling in that story. So I didn't really have anywhere to like connect it. I was like waiting. I was like, oh, did they God. crawl? Did they run out of the house barefoot like yeah not much details but my story is a little well, bit well mine had to do with like nitpicking the mm -hmm. investigation so yeah. it had those like details and everybody in this town didn't give a crap about the family or figuring anything out so they didn't and also really investigations back then was like there was a fire people are gone <laughs> the end exactly yeah they probably and uh, I, I'm sure like maybe abductions just weren't huge in that city or it just wasn't really a thing. So people were like, nah, there's no way that could have happened. It's also work to 
track oh, yeah. down somebody who's been abducted. So yeah. they probably were like, eh. I can't imagine like parents though, like having to deal with that. Like, yeah. first of all, kind of going through this, I don't know if my, my kids are dead or not, but also like, why is no one help? Like, why is no one helping us? Yeah. That's really, really weird. Yeah. Well, don't that's like the, the end of our season one. Yeah. I feel like we're growing up. I know. What are we going to do? Or... <laughs> Is it sophomore year? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess technically. We've learned so much. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so which one was your favorite story you did? Oh, gosh. The favorite one I did? I think uh, – I can't think of all the ones I have did. I feel like my brain has gone. But one of the ones that I really liked was the um, the – the oil tank thing calling the the lady and she was kind of freaking out but it ended up being the oil tank that called her that was really good that was really random that, that was, was like, like one of my silly a, ones like it was fun but it was yeah, yeah. it was definitely lighthearted. that one was yeah fun. i don't know i really liked um or the man in the in the walls yes that one was so good <laughs> the boy not man yeah the boy um which one was yeah, I liked the omen. I liked that it was different. That one was very eerie. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, and then I, because I want to do a couple more. I feel like I have kind of drifted away from that. Yeah. And that's mostly because it's very hard to like find like witness reports or like I get it. Yeah. Really like tangible things you could talk about. It's kind of just well, people's... that happens with haunted stuff. It's kind of like I saw this, I heard that. Yeah, but it's still interesting. Fine. Yeah, it's just to cool, to compile everything is yeah. harder. So I get that. Um, but I also really liked talking about Amanda Knox because I Ooh, I like yeah. that story so much, and I feel like and recently. Um, oh yeah. The which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast. The um, the guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What do they call him, Raph? <laughs> yeah. Um, he he was released from. Oh no, not the boyfriend. I'm sorry. The it other was guy. the the guy the the her boss or something. No, it was just um. No, it wasn't her boss. It was just one of their friends. Oh, I forget his name, but he was the main one that was like his DNA was tied oh, to it. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember and he got out of prison. Yep. And so she spoke out about it and was like. This is just a reminder of yikes. Because I mean, people still think she's guilty. Oh yeah, and I like on what I saw, like everything under it was like she's guilty. She needs to shut up. Which I get being kind of like, like her as a person. It's kind of the same as my story. Like you may not prefer someone as a person, but I don't even feel like she's that horrible. She's just kind of cringy. She's cringy and she doesn't she doesn't understand socially like what to say what not to say sometimes. Exactly. She's a little socially awkward. Yeah. But it doesn't like but you can't make that just cuz you don't like someone you can't be like they're a murderer cuz mm-hmm. I don't like them like that's yeah. not if you look at the evidence of the case like you it's not about same thing with my case it's not yeah. about a gut feeling or like a like people just want something I mean to whatever I guess you can say whatever you want to say but I I just that case was very interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's so frustrating how they built their case off of a feeling. Yeah. And like, a lot of frustrating cases. Yeah. Well, cause that's, that's the thing about true crime is like mm-hmm. people are, a lot of people are not aware of like how many like oh, crazy yeah. things happen in the justice system and, and like they go through life, not 
like I'm terrified of anything ever tying me to some kind of case where like I know even and- minimum having to testify where they they like throw anything they can in your face like it is the wrong place at the wrong time like that's so terrifying yeah because they they that can destroy your life yep and you've done nothing to yeah it's just crazy to me yeah season one (laughs) very sad on a happy note yeah (laughs) we've got some fun stuff coming yeah season two um yeah we're gonna we got some better sound quality <laughs> we're gonna have some emails I'm yeah just say it. we're, we're going to emails come in at shot at gmail.com and i'm gonna drink less wine like next time so i don't see things in your mirror <laughs> i forgot about that i i still see it to be honest oh no you um, guys don't know what we're talking about but i know that's the worst but it's very um conducive to having a podcast yeah. <laughs> let me describe this thing i'm seeing yeah but um but yeah i it's been fun we're doing short seasons so we'll be here in no time season two will oh be i ending. know that's true i wonder where do you think we'll be season two where yeah. do you think the world How obviously we're, know? we're bad at predicting because we were like <laughs> yeah I don't know. I don't want to know. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. We're going to just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably be glad we didn't try to guess what will happen. True. Um, but yeah, email us and we will catch you next week. See ya.